Hi there, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and this is the Bengals Booth Podcast, the Start Me Up edition. We look back at a three-point win over the Chicago Bears to open the preseason. Coming up, my broadcast partner Dave Lapham will join me to discuss the players that stood out to him in that game. We'll hit on what's going on with the offensive line, and Lap will take us inside the mind of an NFL rookie who is wondering if he is going to make it or if he is going to get cut. Plus, in this week's Fun Facts segment, you'll get to know kicker John Brown, who made both of his attempts in the opener, a field goal and an extra point, and here's the kicker, no pun intended, it was the first time he had ever attempted a field goal or a PAT in a game at any level. We'll find out how that's even possible. All of that is straight ahead, but first, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. It's the greatest invention since having a camera on your phone. Are you old enough to remember what it was like to lug a camera around, or worse yet, not have one when you needed it? It's wonderful not to have to worry about that anymore, even if you're tired of seeing everybody's selfies. As was the case last year on this podcast, when we get to the regular season, I'll do in-depth recaps of every game with radio replays and locker room interviews that will be posted in time for your ride to work on Monday morning. But since we're talking about the preseason opener, we'll keep it to one highlight. Here's the game-winning touchdown pass from Jeff Driscoll to rookie Auden Tate with two minutes and four seconds to go. Second down and eight at the Bears 33. Driscoll fakes to the right, looking around for a running lane, now running backward. He'll throw deep off his back foot for Auden Tate. He comes down with a touchdown catch right at the goal line. Going up and over John Franklin and using all of his 6'5 frame to haul in the score. How about Auden Tate? just continues to make big plays again contested catch john franklin the third falls to the ground i mean at that point it's over driscoll says i'm going to tate tate rewarded me it was nullified by penalty offset penalty but i'm telling you what this guy is a playmaker auden tate was the last of the bengals 11 draft picks this year number 253 overall he was almost mr irrelevant There were only three draft picks after him, but Tate is certainly in the mix to make the 53-man roster. In short, he could go from number 253 to the 53. Now time to take an in-depth look at the preseason opener with Dave Lapham as he begins his 33rd season in the Bengals radio booth. Lap time to review the preseason opener, the 30-27 to win over the Chicago Bears. Let's start out with some guys that stood out to you. Give me four on offense to begin with. Well, first and foremost, I'd have to go with Andy Dalton. You know, not just the way he played, 6 of 8, 103 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Quarterback rating just under 117. The pick wasn't his fault. As everybody knows, John Ross slipped uh, coming out of his route, hits the, hits the deck. And uh, it's an easy read for Fuller, breaks in the football, gets a pick six out of it. But Andy really should have been seven for eight for like 115, 120 yards. I mean, that, that was – he was open. Um, Ross probably make the catch. I mean, so now he's got a quarterback rate approach on 130 or whatever. Not only the way he played, but as we saw, Dan, it was a track meet on and off the sideline. I mean, they were substituting personnel, different formations, and Andy is just right on top of all of it. 
you have to have a quarterback that knows every nuance of it, exactly what's going on, to be the, the maestro, the conductor in the, in the huddle, getting everybody on and off the field, lined up properly, and then run the play and execute it. And Andy, Andy's smart as the Dickens. I mean, I have told this story a few times. I remember you know, having him when he was a redshirt freshman when he was at TCU playing against Texas at Texas. And uh, Gary Patterson's the head coach at TCU at the time, as he is now. And I said to him in the production, coach, man, you know, redshirt freshman quarterback down here against the Longhorns. And that's when Mac Brown had him rolling. They were good, good defense. He goes, man, I'm telling you, it might sound crazy, but that's at least to my concerns. This guy's as mature as a redshirt senior. Hmm. He said, we got, we got, you know, upperclassmen following him around like, you know, he's the lead duck and they're all the ducklings. And he said, he's smart as a whip, man. He's got it down. He knows everything. He knows what the defense is going to try to do to stop him. And so he's always had that, uh, that football IQ. And um, in talking to the coaching staff, you know, that are involved with Andy, coordinators, position coaches on down, all of them are like, man, it's, it's one smart duck. <laughs> so it's, I think, A redheaded duck. A redheaded duck, yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think that part of it is I think Andy's going to have a really good year if the offensive line plays solidly in front of him, as, as we talked about. Uh, Joe Mixon having that 24-yard touchdown to me was uh, remarkable on a couple of fronts. Not remarkable, but positive on a couple of fronts. His ability, you know, after the catch, makes a corner uh, linebacker miss and then, you know, uh, spins out on a cornerback, and they detach him, just like the New England Patriots. We talked about, you know, detach those running backs. Mixon can run a route tree. Geo can run a route tree. Uh, these these uh, running backs – are like receivers. They have those kind of that kind of skill set, and Joe is the widest receiver in the formation, and got a matchup, you know, that was favorable in, in his in his way against the linebacker, and you know, tooled him. So, I like that. So you saw all those kind of things, you know, from from Bill Lazor, and then the players putting the players in positions to succeed, getting favorable matchups, and then they reward him by uh, executing it. And that that twenty four yard touchdown catch was beautiful thing of beauty aj green uh he's pretty good newsflash he's good (laughs) this dude can play different spots in the formation you know different routes and he had two catches 126 yards 122 yards two catches over 20 yards average 24 yards a catch that's aj you know and uh one of them a shallow cross where he's just outrunning people you get him at that level of defense nobody can run with the guy and then the back shoulder, when the defender was running with him a little bit, Andy and AJ are on the same page, almost mental telepathy. You know, the unspoken word, put it back shoulder, and AJ makes a play. That was a tiny window that Andy Dalton delivered a perfect throw to. And, and that, that's another thing about him all through camp, Dan. He's been, he's been hitting those, those tight windows. Mm-hmm. He really has. He's, he's been as accurate as I've seen him. He's had a remarkable camp. And I think it, I think it uh, translated. And then, of course, you have to go with Auden Tate, you know, the 33-yard touchdown. Um, every, everybody on the sideline, when we were talking to him in the locker room after the game, they're like, we knew it was going to happen. <laughs> you know, we were just waiting. When's 19 going to go up and get it? And like he has every practice. And he's done it against, you know, quality corners, Drake or Patrick and others. So who he's going against isn't, you know, the top-shelf cornerback in the NFL. And he's trying to prove uh, that he should have a roster spot. So he made a – you know, great catches. He can, he's a contested catch maven. Huge catching radius, long arms, strong hands, 6'5", 228 pounds. The question is, um, 
Cody Core played well on special teams. Cody Core has proven he can play gunner. I don't think Auden Tate can play gunner. Too big, not, not enough speed. He may have to play inside, some inside positions on special teams. Can he prove he can do that? Because, you know, Josh Malone has been nicked up, so Darren Simmons didn't want to use him on special teams and expose him to more with the hamstring problem. So he's shown he can do it. So these guys all play special teams, not just return, but special teams coverage things, you know. So he's going to have to throw his hat in that mix. But, you know, the way he can perform in the red zone, you're thinking, hey, I got can I find a roster spot for him? I mean, can he do more than just red zone or third down things for us? Or can he play some special team snaps? So that's what he's looking at down the road. Those are my offensive guys. Defense, Geno Adkins, again, another news flash. He's pretty good. He's Georgia Bulldogs, man. They've been good to the Bengals. He had that quarterback sack, uh, caused a holding penalty. He's just, you know, you try to single him up. I don't care if it's preseason, regular season, you know, playoffs, whenever. If you single him up, he will destroy you, and, and he did. So watching him perform inside is you know, a defensive coordinator's best friend is a, is a three technique can, that can manhandle people, and Geno Adkins can do that. Carlos Dunlap, the tackle he had was a tackle for loss. So it's like a quarterback sack. It's a disruption. It's, a, it's, a, it's throwing them off schedule. They're behind the chains. So I, both your pro bowlers make plays on the other side of the line of scrimmage, and Coach Austin wants to play on the other side of that line of scrimmage and be aggressive and, and have that translate into turnovers and all that sort of thing. To, so to see... You know, those, those guys w- was impressive. To watch Carl Lawson hustle. I mean, the guy, Motor City, you know, just ran down plays from behind. Uh, uh, Daniel on a, uh, on a scramble, kept him short of a first down. Um, quarterback, he hit, uh, I think it was Tyler, he hit in the, in the, in the arm as he was trying to release the football um, and caused an incompletion by hustling. So to see him doing those kind of things was good. And then didn't show up on the stat sheet, but watching Will Jackson play, is fun to me. Smooth, confident. I mean, fluid. It's just he. He has that mindset. Nobody's going to beat me. How about the Bears testing him deep on the first play of the game? That uh, yeah, that that was that was interesting. And he he's like, bring it on. You know, <laughs> that's fine. Give me a pick. I'll be good with that. I think he's going to have. I think Mixon and Will are going to have big big years, you know, breakout type years. I, I, I think they're both primed and ready for that. But watching him play that cornerback position, seen a lot of good cornerbacks, you know, over the years with the Bengals and others around the NFL. And, and his whole demeanor, mindset, length, speed, there are not a whole lot of people like him out in the streets, man. He, he's a rare, rare breed, there's no doubt. Special teams, um, Hardy Nickerson, three tackles all in special teams tripled his production of last year. I mean, he, he showed up on special teams. C.J. Goodwin showed up. But, Dan, you know, I would expect him to. You know, he's, he's fast and he's experienced, been on other NFL teams, 28 years old. Playing at the stage he was playing at in the game, you figure he, was, he should dominate. Mm-hmm. And he showed up. He did. He flashed. Now you have to – now comes the chess match of, okay, play, who do I play against better competition to see a better evaluation? This guy dominated people that he should dominate – now can he hang with the big boys? You know, let's graduate him from kindergarten to, to the next level of school. So that, that's, that's the process that's, that's going on now for the coaches and the players. Offensive line question for you. Do you expect to see different starters on the O-line in game two? Potentially. You know, I, I, you may have a, a, a situation where, you know, Coach Pollock says, I, I, I just want to 
I just want to make sure. I just want to see. Um, you know, Westerman stepped up big at the guard position. He, to me, plays with the most explosiveness and power of those inside guys. He is a knee bender, a true knee bender. When you watch him come off the ball, he is in, he's a coaching reel for the football position to be in to deliver a strong blow as an offensive lineman. And, and he's, never, he's never bending. He's never leaning, I should say. He's never leaning forward. When an offensive lineman's chin gets in front of his feet, you're in trouble. You can't lean in pass protection. You shouldn't lean in the running game. You have to be in a good power position, like a, a, a squat sitting position, explosive. And he does that as well as any or better than anybody on the offensive line. And we've got to remember, he missed a few practices and lost 12 pounds. He had food poisoning, lost 12 pounds. So he was feeling funky, you know. And I thought last year he finished the season strong physically. And, uh, you know, based on the way he performed, he may get a shot. He may get a shot at, uh, you know, at right guard um, and, and see, see what he can do. I thought, uh, I thought Bobby Hart, you know, did fine. Bobby Hart has a tendency, when I watch him, he has a tendency to lean, like I'm talking about in pass protection. When he, and, it, and it's a natural tendency, Dan. I mean, these guys are athletes. They're coming at you. They're going to deliver a blow, so you want to you go get them. You have to fight that. You have, I can't. Don't, don't overexpose yourself. Don't commit yourself. It makes it easier for the defense to play off. You have to be patient, accept those blows. I mean, give ground grudgingly. It's no fun being an old lineman. You're going backwards. These studs are coming and beating you up going forward. But that's why not many guys can play it. And um, so I, it's going to be interesting to see how that, how that shakes down. One of the couple of the things about the game, Dan, before you get away from um, uh, the first preseason game, in the third quarter, there were two plays that people aren't going to want to talk about much or notice much in a, uh, a three-point win. The Bengals win 30-27, and it happened on the same drive. First and 10 from the Bears' 18-yard line, uh, Nault goes 69 yards, breaks it out to the right side. Brandon Wilson runs him down, saves four points. They have to kick a field goal. If he doesn't make that tackle, Bengals lose a three-point game as it shakes down. He makes a four-point uh, saving tackle by just sheer speed. This kid, and he flashed on special teams. He can run. We saw him last year run. You saw him in college. The dude's a stud. He's an athlete. And then later in that drive, second and 20 from the Bengals' 23-yard line, Bray overthrows Gentry wide open. I mean wide open by 15 yards on any side of him. And he's got a walk-in touchdown. They have to settle for four, uh, three points again. So a four-point overthrow. So on that drive, they gave up. They spit the bid on four points, two different plays, early and late in that drive. Bengals, Bengals keep a 23-20 lead and ultimately win the game 30-27. So it's plays like that, you know, that you look back on and say, man, you know, if either one of those go the other way, Bengals don't win that first preseason game. And, and when you look at them, it's like, man, I, yeah, you don't, you don't really think of those as big plays because the defense gives up a big play, but it could have been bigger if Wilson doesn't hustle. For rookies playing in their first NFL preseason game, that's obviously very exciting. Then you come back a day or two later for reviewing, uh, reviewing the tape and getting graded by an NFL coaching staff. Is that a big deal? It is. It is a big deal. Um, and I think most of the players, I know I was as a rookie, I was my own worst critic. Even if I did a good job, I'm like, oh, man, I could have done that better. You know, I can, you, you just, it's like you, you feel like you have to be perfect. And, you know, you can't get in your own head. That's the biggest thing. If you overanalyze it, you just you're gonna kill yourself. You won't be able to sleep at night. You're gonna have ulcers instead of win a job on a football team. And uh, my rookie year, I learned that valuable lesson. 
I was drafted in the third round, and Daryl White, the other All-American guard, from he was from Nebraska. We both get drafted in the third and fourth round to battle for a guard spot. We were on the AP All-American team, and I'd gotten to know him. He's a great guy, so we're going at it, and uh, six preceding games, first three, I'm playing a lot, you know? I'm getting my share of snaps, and then all of a sudden, all I'm playing is on the wedge, on the extra point field goal team. I'm like, oh, man. I must have not done as well as I thought. You know, and I thought, hey, maybe I was right. Maybe I should have been harder on myself when I was doing the self-evaluation because the coach's grades, must I must suck in those grades and <laughs> those evaluations. So Daryl's playing, and I'm not. And uh, I just got married to Lynn, and, you know, I'm calling, save the, save the classified ads. I'm, I'm coming home, I think. I'm going to have to be looking for a job. <laughs> so last cut, um, go into the room, and as it turns out, I couldn't find my – desk it put tape on the on the desk of the names of the players well Stan Walters our Syracuse boy had hidden my desk in the closet so I got in there I, I thought I was cut I, the uh the Turk didn't Frank Smells didn't ask me for my playbook I go in and get dressed now I'm embarrassed because I think I'm gone so I look for Daryl he's not there either and uh I find out I make it well like Paul Brown comes up to me after the uh, meeting says, congratulations, young man. He goes, I said, coach, I thought, don't think. I said, well, when I didn't play in the last week, don't think. I don't think. We were, we were getting tape, film on Daryl, so we shopped him. He's a Green Bay Packer. We traded him to Green Bay. And so that was a valuable lesson. Just play. Keep your head down, play. Don't overthink it. Don't try to take on roles and responsibilities that aren't yours. You just play. Coach is coach. General managers decide who makes it and the owners, and, and, and then you just play. And as it turned out, Daryl got traded, made the Green Bay Packers. So, you know, you just you just never know. As, when you're uh, in these preseason games, you're not just auditioning for one team. You're auditioning for 32 teams, and the players all have to bear that in mind. Your competitive nature is, I don't want to get cut. I don't want to get traded. I don't want them not wanting me. I want to be, you know, I want to prove that I belong here. But, you know, the jobs are competitive. There's only so many of them. You just can't get in your own head. That's the biggest advice I can give. So following up on that, we know most of the guys that are going to be on the 53-man roster, and so do they. But there are jobs at the bottom of the roster and on the practice squad uh, that are well-paying jobs. Even the lowest guy on the roster on the practice squad is going to make six figures. Do the preseason games elevate the level of wondering where you stand on the totem pole if you are one of those guys, or are you doing that every single day from the first day of training camp? <laughs> it's funny when 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 you're in your own head, um, and I, and I really figured out pretty quickly. I'm not just not competing with the offensive linemen. If I'm toward the back end of the number of if they're keeping eight linemen and I'm the eighth guy, I'm competing with you know the the sixth defensive back, the seventh line. I'm competing with the end of the roster of all those guys. So. If that other linebacker and defensive back, they're all playing on special teams. What a, I'm, I'm just on the field goal extra point. You know, now you start, your mind starts racing. Um, and I did. That was part of it in my head, too. I'm like, I wonder if I'm the last lineman, am I, they going to keep me over this other guy or this guy and the, or this guy? So you do start thinking about all that. Now, I'm not saying everybody does. Um, Pat McAnally, who is a year behind me, after my rookie year, uh, Pat McAnally came to the team uh, out of Harvard. And uh, he and I hit it off pretty well, and he always killed me for getting accepted and not going to Harvard. Beat the heck out of me. But he said, that, that, you know, I thought you were smart. That's the stupidest thing anybody could do is get accepted and not go. I beg to differ. As a fellow <laughs> Syracuse grad, <laughs> you right. chose wisely. That's right. I said, Pat, Harvard's not the only 
institution of academia in this country. <laughs> so uh, we would do a, we would do a roster every single meet me in my room after dinner. Let's 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 figure this out, and we would we'd just kind of like you know try to plot and plant a little bit of maybe think what the, try to think what the coaches were thinking and we knew it was an exercise of futility but we'd always bet on who could hmm. come up with the most players at the end of the year and you know just a fun exercise but yeah it you do I mean you start thinking about what's the worst case scenario what's my best case scenario what's my worst case scenario and then you know kind of go from there let the chips fall as they may you don't even the other thing you don't even think about injury I mean at that age I mean, it, it's impossible. You don't get hurt, man. You feel like you know you're invincible physically that way, and that's obviously you know a big consideration, big concern as well. But um, I—that's one thing I never ever thought about. I never thought about, well, geez, if I get hurt, what happens? It never even entered my mind, which is dumb, because 100% risk of injury every snap in the NFL. Final question. This is our eighth year together. I can't believe I've never asked you this. After 10 years playing for the Bengals and two years playing for the USFL. Did the Turk essentially get you at that point, or did you walk out on your own accord? Yeah, I was I was done. My contract was was over, um, and the the league, the league. Uh, that's when Donald Trump was kind of the master of, um, you know, let's try to compete with the NFL, sue the NFL yeah. for uh, monopolistic Sherman Antitrust, and they won. They won the decision, but they were granted a dollar, which is trouble tripled, in uh, in those kind of uh, legal. Uh, monopolistic things they get three bucks <laughs> plus interest plus interest <laughs> and the league NFL had to pay all their legal expenses so they were a hole on that end but um, so you know at that point in time um, you know that league that league was folded um, and I'm not even sure my contract was up I don't even really know what would have happened uh, but but I was ready I mean I'll be honest with you played 10 years in the NFL and uh, took two weeks off in that 10th season and then went to training camp in the USFL. Insane. Crazy. I'm not kidding you, Dan. I was like, I was taking Endison, which is an anti-inflammatory racehorse's take. Hello. I mean, the trainer's like, we're going to give I, I could not pick my hands above my head. I'd, I'd shuffle up my sidewalk to my our house in New Jersey, Lynn and the kids, and, and I'd lay down on the couch and, and I, I can't move. Watch, get up, go to bed. I mean, I felt like I was 100 years old. And um, so that season, that first year ended. And I was, you know, now I'm 32 years old. It's not like if you're 23, 24, that's one thing. But at 32, I'm going to be 33 years old. And I went to the Atlantic Ocean when that season ended and used it as a natural whirlpool and let those waves just whap away on me <laughs> and, and kind of heal up uh, for about a month. But, man, it was that was hard. That was really, really hard, that back-to-back uh, season. And I had an old-school offensive line coach, Bill Austin, who coached with Vince Lombardi in Green Bay, and it's like, you don't practice, you don't play. And Brian Seip was my roommate and the quarterback, and he's like, B.A., man, give him a – I mean, it's come on now. You know, you know, if he doesn't practice, he ain't playing. So, you know, every practice, every game. And, uh, you know, I was, I was beaten up, but I, in my mind I wasn't injured. So I, I felt like if I could go out there and play, I was going to go and play. But, man, that was, that was a uh, – Biggest challenge physically I've ever had in my life. We have a soundbite from Dave Lapham's first USFL season after taking these uh, drugs intended for horses. Here it is. (laughs) (laughs) I shared a stall with Mr. Ed. (laughs) All right, let's do it again next week after victory over the Dallas Cowboys. Sounds like a plan, my man. 
Next Saturday's game in Dallas starts at 7 o'clock. Our pregame coverage on the Bengals radio network will begin at 5.30. Now time for this week's Fun Facts segment as we get to know the person under the pads. In this case, place kicker John Brown. We discussed his remarkable story prior to last week's victory over the Bears. Time for some fun facts with Bengals kicker John Brown. And John, of the nearly 3,000 people on NFL rosters right now, you might have the most interesting story because you are an NFL kicker despite the fact that you have never attempted a field goal or a point after in an actual game. Does that sound as crazy to you as it does to me? Yeah, it definitely does. I always thought I'd be playing soccer my whole entire life, but just something I prayed about and God led me here, so there I am. (laughs) Have you visualized that first opportunity, hopefully in the preseason opener against the Bears, to kick in an NFL game? Uh, yeah, I guess it doesn't It doesn't really hit you because I never, like, visualized it, like, before. But now you're, like, in the week of the game, you're like, oh, dang, like, the game is literally in three days, you know. So, yeah, it's definitely very exciting. At the same time, yeah, people ask, like, how are your nerves and stuff like that? But it's like I'm not nervous at all. I'm more excited, yeah, than nervous in anything, to be honest. Because, yeah, that's what I prepare for, you know, all these years just to be able to kick, you know. So I finally get the opportunity. We're visiting with John Brown. Let's tell the backstory a little bit because you mentioned that you were a soccer player. So you grew up in Mississippi. You did play high school football as a wide receiver, but soccer was your primary sport. Yep, soccer was my primary sport. Um, Yeah, like you said, I grew up in Mississippi, but I actually went to um, IMG for high school because I was playing with the – USA team, we we're training. Yeah, for the we we're training for the uh, the World Cup and everything. So yes, yeah, so I'm used to being away from home and everything. So I went there for a few years in high school. So that's why uh, me coming out of college, it's kind of crazy because at IMG we, we really didn't do any schoolwork because most of the guys on my team they went straight pro for soccer. My mom obviously wanted me to do the whole college thing and everything. She's real big on education. So yeah, that's why I ended up going to college playing first two years soccer and switched to. Uh, Football, yeah, so I didn't start kicking the football until my junior year of college. I never kicked in high school, despite everybody trying to get me to kick in high school, but I just never did it because I was like, I've never seen a black person, a black kicker, so I just never, I was like, I don't want to, you know, there's no way that I could be a kicker. That's how I always looked at it. So So as a member of the junior national USA soccer team, you were trending toward possibly being in the Olympics, or you mentioned the World Cup, or playing in MLS. Yes, sir, yes, sir. Yep, definitely. Um, Because the kids that were on our team, it was just like the top, obviously the top 40 kids in the country in our class or whatever. So, yeah, and I actually was, yeah, with the, yeah, I was actually playing a year, uh, the first time I got called to them, yeah, I was playing with the older group of guys, actually with the USA team. So, definitely, yeah, if I played, obviously stuck with soccer, yeah, definitely could have been, obviously. And that's why everybody saw me playing, like, MLS. But, you know, God led me here, so I'm definitely very thankful that it worked out this way. We're huh. doing fun facts with kicker John Brown. You went to Kentucky on a soccer scholarship, played for a year there, mm-hmm. transferred to Louisville, played yes, soccer for a year there, and then you make this change. Explain how it happened. It's kind of crazy because I, I went back home. I, I remember I was talking to my family about everything, and I just felt like just something in my spirit just felt like I had to pray about everything. So I went to my – yeah, I talked to my parents about it. I was like, yeah, I was like, if I keep going this way, obviously for soccer, I loved it, but I was just looking at as far as like if I make it to MLS, I won't be able to really support a family because the salary is, you know, so low for soccer players mm-hmm. over here. So I was like, I'll have to get like another job afterwards. I kind of, yeah, I talked to my parents about it. I prayed about it. So I was really laying in bed one night until something told me to go to Texas A&M football roster. So I'm like, I've never looked at a football roster before, you know. So I went to the roster or whatever. I was like scrolling down. So I told me to go to the kickers. I was, I was like, the kickers? So I went to the kickers. But the first guy I clicked on was Josh Lambeau. He's actually in the NFL right now. And he was a uh, soccer player as well who played on the USA team like I did. Like he did the whole yeah, national team and all that other stuff. 
he did the exact same thing. So now he's switching football. So now he's, yeah, now he's in the NFL kicking for the starting kicker for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I was like, God, is this you telling me you want me to kick? I was like, I was like, no, no, it can't be. So I kind of pushed it away or whatever, but it just literally, it's like, you know, God wants you to do something. He's going to get his way. So he just stuck with my spirit for like, literally for like the, that whole week or whatever. I could not get it out of my, get it out of my head. So I was like, all right. So I talked to my parents about it. Of course, I thought it was crazy. They're like, "What?" And then my mom was like, "Well, God, you feel like this is what God told you to do? He said, you need to go with it." So, yeah. So that's when I didn't return to soccer. I didn't even go back to Louisville the following semester. I just uh, stayed back at home and I trained with my trainer, uh, Brett Bear. Yeah, he's from Louisiana. Yeah, well, he's from Mississippi, but he stays in Lafayette. So I was driving four and a half hours every weekend to train with him uh, on Saturday, then drive back. So nine-hour trip every Saturday. Wow. Yeah, to just to train with him because I wasn't going to school. I was just taking online classes. So I was just training for football that whole time. And then when uh, Kentucky Derby came around, we got some film on me. So um, I sent it out to Louisville, but they never replied. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to drive the tape up there then to give it to coaches uh, in person since they won't reply to me. So I drove up to Louisville by myself and gave the, uh, tried to get the film to the coaches, but they weren't there. So I was like, oh, man. So I had to sleep on my friend's couch. And then the next morning I went back there again. They were there. So gave my film to them. They were impressed, and they called me the following week. So it, it took off from there, yeah. So that's when I reported for workouts in the summer. And then that's how it all started. We're doing fun facts with kicker John Brown. You did get to kick off 10 times at Louisville. But as I mentioned earlier, didn't get the opportunity to kick field goals or extra points. So how does a guy with that resume get a chance to kick for an NFL team? I, it's, it's, it's one of those things like you can you can't wrap your head around it you know what I mean but it's like that's why I always I like, give all the glory to God because I I knew what God put in my spirit and I knew yeah he's he hasn't failed me yet so I knew he would start failing me so I always kept the faith and yeah this is all God's doing I really don't have any words for it like I can't even explain it like I knew what God showed me but never in my life I thought that I would actually like now you're here you're like dang like it's, it's just crazy how God works you know you did kick at a pro day at Louisville. That caught the Bengals' yeah, eye. Yeah, yeah. Did you make a 70-yard field goal in that? Did I did I read that correctly? Uh, it, I don't think it was in pro day. We hit some blown field goals or whatever. But yeah, I did hit a 70-yarder in practice or whatever. But I don't I don't yeah I don't know if it was in pro day. And I wouldn't even pay I don't even pay attention to the distance or whatever. I, I really don't because I know if I pay attention to what distance I'm at, I'll try to like switch up my mechanics. So I literally just go out there and kick, yeah, to be honest with you. So we're doing fun facts with John Brown, the Bengals kicker. You've been with the team for a couple of years now, at least in the off season yes. and mini camps and, and last year for a while in training camp. But you haven't been with the team during the season. What have you been doing during the season the last couple of years? Uh, yeah, I've just been staying on top of my training. Um, my trainer, John Carney, he stays out in San Diego. Yeah, you probably heard him. He kicked the NFL mm-hmm. for like 22, 23 years. Yeah, so I literally go out there all the time to get a lot of work in with him. I go out there for like at a month at a time. He's all the way in San Diego. So get a lot of work in with him. And um, obviously, yeah, he spoke to Coach Simmons when they were out, when Coach Simmons came out to California. And he had like a lot of good things to say about me as well. So, yeah, that's what I've, I've been doing, going out there, training, whatever, just staying on top of everything. Keeping the faith. Yeah, I know you got to work everything out for me, so it's good to be back here for sure. John, as you mentioned, there are not a lot of African-American kickers, mm-hmm. and when you first showed up in the Bengals' locker room, people assumed you were a defensive back, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. We had um, team introductions, yeah, and then I said, yeah, I was a kicker or whatever. Everybody looked back, they were like, what? <laughs> they were like, this whole time we thought you were, yeah, we thought you were a receiver or a DB, because, like, even the rookies, they were like, John, I was like, where are you, they was like, where are you at doing practice? I was like, what are you talking about? This is like rookie minicamp. This past time, I was like, dude, I was like, I'm on the opposite field, just chilling or whatever. He's like, he's like, yo, he's like, I wonder why I never see you in drills or whatever. He said this whole time, he said, I thought you were a receiver. He was like, I'll be looking for you on the field. He said, I had no clue you were a kicker. It's definitely, yeah, definitely very interesting. Nobody ever believes me when I tell him I'm a kicker, if I meet him in person. 
Yeah, they, they like look me up and everything. It's like, there's no way he's lying. So. <laughs> All right, final fun fact for Bengals kicker John Brown. What is your father's first name? Cleveland. Yep, full name, Cleveland Brown. <laughs> everybody everybody always gives me a hard time with that. Yeah, if I use the card, use their card, or they look at it like Cleveland Brown, so that's my dad. They make jokes about it, so, yeah, definitely interesting. <laughs> a Cincinnati Bengals kicker who is the son of Cleveland Brown. We look forward to seeing you kick, hopefully against the Bears. Best of luck this preseason. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Brown made both of his kicks against the Bears, hitting the Bengals' first extra point and a 24-yard field goal. However, Randy Bullock made all four of his kicks, two PATs and two field goals, and barring injury is almost certain to be the Bengals' kicker when the regular season begins. That's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. If you haven't done so already, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play and give it a rating or leave a comment. Your feedback's been very helpful, and five-star ratings help more Bengals fans find this podcast. I'm Dan Horde, and thank you for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.